I'll also close things just because. Fran has gone away. Yeah, I think okay. he, I think he closed this. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> Hey, hello listeners and welcome to episode 66 of the Picky Bastards podcast. It's it's the podcast where three friends, if, if I can call us friends, try to find common ground about music um, and after 66, 66 episodes are slowly finding that there isn't any and it's all a lie, but we're carrying on anyway. Um, so yeah, happy, happy beginning there. Hi Sam, hi Matt, how are you both? Hi, hi, hi friend. Yeah. Hi friend. What else would you call us? I know we are friends. I just acquaintances, um, acquaintances, know, colleagues. I didn't want to, I didn't want to assume anything. Um, you know, assumptions never good. But also, just want people to have an excuse to use the in between as meme when talking yeah. about our podcast. So, anyway, back to the podcast. Um, so every month we pick four recently released albums, a classic album, and one of us introduce an artist we love in the why I love section. So this month we've got uh, the new releases are But Here We Are by the Foo Fighters, Guy by Jada G, Red Sun Titans by Gengar, if I'm saying that correctly, um, yep. Capital Letters Roach by Maya Follick, and the classic is Live Through This by Hole. And then I will be telling you all why I love Eminem, which has taken me 66 episodes to get to, which is quite weird. But um, <laughs> yeah, do I need to say anything else or do we just launch into the podcast now? No. Launching? Yeah. Launching. Okay. Oh. I've got a couple of very simple questions. I'm going to kick off with Sam. So Sam, which album were you most quickly able to make your mind up about and why? Um, so for me, the answer to this was, um, but here we are by Foo Fighters. Okay. Um, it helps it was the first one on the list. That's not yeah. why it was the quickest. <laughs> um, but, but for me, I think I, I've I've chosen a lot of like, bands like this and artists like this and we, we've kind of covered quite a few things in the time that I've been doing this podcast and there's been a trend of like me really enjoying them and then you both absolutely hate them <laughs> or find it really boring I I don't think that's going to be the same here because I personally was instantly really impressed with this album and okay. I, I can see I can actually see this being one of the ones that kind of all of us engage with I think there's a effortlessness and an energy on this that I haven't heard from Foo Fighters in a very, very long time. Like we're talking decades on their albums that they have this kind of freedom to creating really catchy and really memorable hooks, really enjoyable guitar lines. And that's just infectious throughout. And I think compared to the last few albums that they've had as a band where it just feels like they've, they're kind of confused of how far they're allowed to push their sound and yet also not really wanting to embrace what made them popular in the first place and make, makes the, their like classic songs good. Um, I, I, th- I think stuff like the title track and, or under you, I, th- I think it's some of the hookiest music that the band's had in years. And I think that's why it was so easy for me to just make my mind up on this. Um, I think, the the songs that obviously kind of go into um the go into Taylor Hawkins' death last year. Yeah. And I think that was gonna be obvious. And I think I think for a lot of people, 
it's done in a way that feels makes it feel poignant but doesn't make it feel like it's overbearing across the whole album it feels like an album that the band would have been making anyway but it gives everything more of a sense of kind of um, immediacy to it and and kind of poignancy. I think uh, the teacher in the glass. I think I think they're they're really emotional moments. I think as as a listener, um, and I think it, that's what makes part of this really immediately engaging. Um, I think show me how is is probably the, my highlight on the record. I think I think it's kind of got this like shoegaze type construction of the way the song's made up um but it's so confident and easy from a band that seems to have spent the last decade telling us all that like rock and roll's not dead and then releasing music that just makes it seem as if rock and roll is well and truly <laughs> dead um it's just an interesting album and, and exciting and it feels like they're excited um which is a surprise i i, th- I think this is a, a shock for me definitely um and i found this album really enjoyable um from start to finish so well there yeah. we go what about you matt um I, I i think this is the right answer to your question as well fran but i'm still in reasons. the camp of yeah like i can really respect that they were able to maintain this kind of consistency and focus um in the in the kind of situation that they're in and and dealing with all their grief and putting that like not shying away from it putting it front and center within Mm. the album um and still making something that's worthwhile and um i think like it's it's the the one thing i can say about foos is like they're so so consistent i don't think this album is a step up but like they don't they don't make stinkers like this. It's still a good album, but um, I think for me, it's really crystallized that viewpoint that I I think I prefer Dave Grohl on literally any pro- any other project he's done apart from Foo Fighters, <laughs> <laughs> which um, considering Foo's are his like longest like longest living project and things like that, it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. But like him doing stuff with uh, like the Queens of the Stone Age, or doing stuff with them Crooked Vultures, or even his like features on the Prodigy and stuff like that—they're way more interesting to me <laughs> than this. Um, that's it. Like there are some high points though. Like um, the song he sings with his daughter is really really cool. That almost gives me like um, Wolf Alice vibes to it because of the way she sings and it adds a lot of like an extra dimension to it but it yeah it does i just think a lot of the songs are just like they chug along they're kind of fun it's generic rock and we're we're kind of done and so i i didn't get too much from it um really i think actually one one other thing though that i'm gonna add one more positive let's end on a positive is um I do think that is it the ten minute song is the teacher. I think right, and yeah. that ends with a, a fade out, which is done in a really creative and interesting uh. way. <laughs> and I really like. I like. Matt's talking about I like, fade I outs, also yeah. like the structure of that song as well. I thought it was mo- like mostly pretty earned, considering it's a ten minute song. So mm-hmm. yeah, good. I, d- I don't think it's going to change anyone's mind about Foo's though. 
Okay, interesting. Where are you from? Where are you? Um, well, I would, I would, I would imagine that you guys assume I hate Foo Fighters. Um, I, I don't know if you do assume that or not, but I suppose I should just start by saying that I was a massive fan of the Foo Fighters in, in my teenage years. I love the first four albums. Um, I went to see them live quite a few times, and they were amazing live by then. You know, they they really went for it. Um, so I do have more time for this band than I do for others who do this kind of thing. So yeah, when I read the reviews for this album, I did have a bit of hope that I might get something out of it. I, I didn't think I'd love it, but I thought I might get a bit of nostalgia. I might enjoy it. Um, I'm, I'm, Sam's just given it a really good review, but I wanted to, I was going to say this sensitively. I, I felt like the positive reviews that I'd seen must be largely a response to the sad situation in which the album was created um, and the fact that it does give a few nods to the death of Taylor Hawkins. Because to me, it just it just sounds like a late career bog standard Foo Fighters album. I, I don't I don't understand where the excitement's coming from. I do think, like Matt said, that there's respect due to them for picking up and carrying on and, and, and getting on with it so quickly after what they've been through. Um, but it, it didn't do anything for me at all. Um, and I, I might say more if it wasn't that we were in a situation where they've just lost one of their key members of the band. I don't want to be the person who slags off a band who releases an album just after that. Um, I suppose my last point was, I think if you like the Foo Fighters' last few albums, then you probably like this. But if you didn't, then you probably won't. And that's about all I had to say about this one. So, sorry, Sam, we did we didn't yeah. agree. With I just I just don't <laughs> I just don't agree that it's comparable to the recent stuff. Like I, I maybe and that's what I got from what other people were saying is that it's to me it feels like a big return to form. Okay. Um, I would say on that I don't point, know. you've probably given a lot more time to the recent stuff than I have. I've probably heard like the odd single here and there. This is the first time I've listened to a full. Foo Fighters album in a very long time, but I suppose I'm just going off what I've heard. I've not, it might be as an album better, but I didn't hear anything on it that excited me in a way that hmm. made me want to carry on listening to it. Um, yeah. Or that reminded me of those first few albums when I think they really generally did have a lot going for them. So maybe it's a lot better than the last few albums, but. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I'm the same. <laughs> I'm the same boat as Fran. And maybe I just, yeah because I didn't listen to the previous ones, I didn't realize how bad they were because <laughs> I heard the singles and maybe gave them one listen. So maybe if I went back to those ones, I'd realize how good this one is relative. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, I'm probably just hoping for them to do an album as good as like Everlong and Monkey Wrench and Well, All that's not going to happen. And that's kind of what I thought from the reviews though, that maybe they have. Um, and maybe that was optimistic. I, I, I think this is going to be one of those ones that's all over end of your list. It's, it's going to be oh, inescapable. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh, I, that won't surprise me. But they, they could easily win Album right. of the Year at the Grammys for this. <laughs> for for be, various reasons. Because that's would the sort that of thing be people valid, vote do you for. think? Or would it be because of what's happened? It's, it's, not... it's a combination. You, can't, you can never take the context out of things yeah. like that. Um, but I think this will be all over Album of the Year lists. Really? For sure. In, in I mean, this, in this sort of genre. Though? Yeah, yeah, because they're very. So they always get nominated to, for like to kind of always end up Grammys there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> it's good because yeah. we were saying before that there might be a lot of agreement, and we already kind of had three levels of disagreement on that one. So good stuff, yeah. Matt. Over to you. Yeah. Which album took you the longest to make your mind up about, and why? Uh, for me, this was the uh, album "Guy" by J D G. Okay. Um, and so the reason was, it, like, it took. 
a long time for this album to grow on me and to like place as like a good album, a bad album, like interesting, like what parts I liked about it. I couldn't quite put my finger on it for a long time. Um, and there's definitely still aspects I'm hesitant about. But like this whole kind of dance pop vibe that's a little uh, minimal, it's like very in my wheelhouse. And so I like I spent a lot of time like specifically listening to this album, trying to kind of get it a bit more. Um, and so like, like thinking about the two opening tracks, I like uh, like the opening track, it has this like really fun tone, this kind of jerky like bass, it reverb that um, kind of like reverberates in a really interesting way. And it builds builds um, in a way which is also very rewarding. Um, like every 40 seconds, it's like something else happens to make it something bigger and better than what it was. And so like that to me, like opening track feels like a highlight already. And so I'd put the album on and I'd get excited. And then like I'd listen to some of the subsequent songs like Heads and Tails. Um, and then I, there's elements of it I'm just not sure about. Like the chorus, when that chorus kicks in, it like really is exciting and energizes the song. And her vocals are like rolling all over this kind of beat that's almost addictive. But the, in between the chorus, there's just so much space with not much going on. And I found that kind of formula repeating throughout a lot of her songs. And there was... I want. I really like having like ups and downs in a song, but I want the downs to like draw me in, and I want to lean in in those moments. So then, when the up comes, I get kind of pushed back. And I was finding the the kind of those lower moments um, actually just kind of dull um, instead. And I wasn't drawn in by anything, and so instead, I was like looking forward to the exciting moments of the song as opposed to enjoying what I have right now. And then getting excited later um so yeah i'm just still like overall <laughs> i think the album's really pretty good but i'm just still not, haven't quite made my mind up like how good it could be okay um still yeah. making your mind up all right yeah i'll jump in um go for it yeah, so when I when I started writing my notes for this one, I was I got stuck staring at my screen for about ten minutes because I, I was trying to think of a worse album than this that we've covered on the podcast, and I came up pretty short. <laughs> I knew you'd um, hate this. I think the only thing I could think of that's definitely worse is Mount Erie, but at least that made me feel something, even though it was pure rage. Um, this album's just drivel. Um, I think the beat on the song "Scars" pretty much sums up everything I hated about the album. I mean, we've got Hole as the classic on this month's playlist and somehow the beat on Scars managed to be the most 90s thing I've heard in a long time, <laughs> possibly since the 90s, actually. Um, I think it's all unorig unoriginal, it's quite vapid. And yes, I have heard that it's about really serious stuff, but that does not come across. I find it's, it's so boring that it becomes unlistenable. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, the song Lonely Back in O is it has to be the worst chorus I've ever heard. It's just awful. Uh, the beat is like one on my daughter's xylophone when she's hitting it with her toy carrot. Um, when She Dance is not only a terrible song, it's also a really annoyingly ungrammatical sentence for absolutely no reason. Like, why call a song When She Dance? <laughs> um, her voice isn't very good. 
I don't like anything about it. Um, I was trying to think of other things I've disliked on the podcast recently and how this compares. And it's that, that SG Lewis album was the one that's sort of most similar, I think. And that seems like a work of genius compared to this. I thought this was really, really poor and a total waste of my time. So thank you for that. Over to you, Sam. I'm, I'm glad that you can <laughs> thank me for picking this. Uh, yeah. This was this was the album I was expecting to like the most on this playlist when it was going in. Okay. And it was uh, an almighty disappointment. I, I, I think my expectations were probably too way too high for this record and i yeah. i found it to be just really really boring and really dull and mm. um, at times the music's like quite enjoyable like sometimes it's kind of it, it has it should be like relatively fun like pop tunes like it it it's not really pushing into dance whereas mm. I, I kind of felt it was going to with a lot of jdg's of like earlier standalone singles um but there's something about the vocals on this album that is so off-putting and so it's like i just found it so difficult to get past that that across the entire album it's like it's like the first take of a demo Mm. where someone's just speaking through the lyrics and they add it's it's so it's so frustrating because like there'll be there's times and i'm like this could be a good song maybe if someone was like delivering it in a way that didn't sound like they didn't want to be there but it's just so lifeless and this album surely shouldn't be lifeless that this sort of it, it the lyrics are really banal at times as well on some of the songs. I think When She Dances is the worst of it. I think it's probably the least engaging song on this whole playlist. Um, and I think Heads or Tails has some good things going for it. I think, but, but again, it's just the singing that ruins it for me. And I feel really bad because I, I picked this because Jada G's been on, on the rise and is one of these kind of people that in a, in a, in the dance world of like being like a woman by herself producing, doing all of the things herself, like for the records, Mm. um, was surprisingly unique in, in Mm. the kind of industry, which which is what, um, is a bad thing, obviously, because it's like, (laughs) it should be, that shouldn't be like a unique perspective. Should it? That's the whole point. No, and that's why I feel bad, but like the album just, it feels like it was constructed in the no, right I way, but then like the, the interludes and the transitions from songs are fine. It's just the songs themselves just feel so like half-assed. Like mm. they just, yeah, it, it didn't work for me. And I, I was really, really disappointed. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think yeah. Who, whoever, I forget who, which of you said it's like a demo. I think that's very on yeah. point. Like it, there's yeah, some it nuggets of cool ideas in here, but they're not linked together and fleshed out. Which is I don't think I'd want to hear it even at the next stage, though. To be <laughs> well, you uh, don't like music that has electronics. <laughs> I mean, that is not entirely true. Um, <laughs> but I don't like crap music that has electronics. Yeah. Um, so. Okay, well, I, was, I kind of expected to be told I was wrong, but I don't think either of you really fully disagreed with me there. No, I, pretty. I agreed with you basically. Yeah. Okay, 
Cool. All right. Well, um, I want to save the classic um, till after the new releases, actually. So, um, Sam, you carry on. Which did you like best out of Gengar and Myofolic? Oh, that's a tough one, actually, because I think, yeah, I'm going to go with <laughs> the Myofolic just okay. because I think it's probably the most musically diverse album mm. on the playlist and the most kind of exciting to talk about I, I really can't place this album in like a genre or category really in my head like mm. wh- whenever i listen to it, it 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 really just goes lots of different places i think a song like tetherball um is a real highlight kind of develops with like kind of an electronic sounding production in the background and then and then you've got like get out of my house which is like driving drums and guitars um and then her voice is just so haunting on so many of these songs i, th- I think oh the opening oh god um and then 2007 which is another big highlight i, th- I think the lyrics on that song really stand out on the, the whole of this playlist i, th- I think it's really interesting and, and really unique perspective on um on this sort of kind of alternative pop kind of vibe. Um, I, I got like the, the closest thing I could link it to is something like Tegan and Sarah, which kind of pulls from alternative music, but into like a pop space. But then um, other times this, this album just sort of just goes off on one um, and it's just really exciting, <laughs> but in an exciting way, I, I feel yeah. like it's a really, it really works as a complete record Um and she's really engaging as a kind of central figure throughout it. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I had no expectations at all going in, but I okay. really enjoyed it. Good stuff. Matt, do you want to go or shall I? Yeah, I can go. I like. I'm. I suggested this because I'm. I'm a fan of her already, and I thought it would be interesting to uh, see what you guys think. And um, this is only like her second album, I think. Um, so see how she develops and I, I would say this album is a little less coherent than her previous one um, maybe a little less dramatic um, but I, I really enjoyed the diversity within it as Sam mentioned it is it is a little all over the place um, there are moments which feel more like like bedroom, bedroom pop and then there's other which are more like proper indie rock and um, um, but I think it consistently all the songs are interesting because she's interesting. Um, and like vocal, her vocals are always fantastic. Like her range and the way she uses her voice is really, really great. Um, yeah, like my main criticism really is that it is just some at points it's just a little too scattered. Like I can see her. It's different kind of different kind of genres, but I could see her doing like what Carolyn Polachek did with her most recent album and synthesizing things together and creating something bigger and uh, better from it. And I think she could probably probably has the capacity to do that um, at some point. And so I'm, I have my fingers crossed and I'm hopeful for the next album that she can make something really really special. But this is still a great album, I thought. 
Okay. Um, yeah. Um, what do you reckon, Fran? Yeah. So I agree with you both that it's all over the place and scattered. Um, that is definitely true. Uh, for me, I felt it like veered pretty regularly between being really annoying and really boring. Um, <laughs> I found the like upbeat, chirpy songs like Bad Thing or Drugs or People just just quite irritating, like overly catchy, a bit too sort of earwormy, just quite annoying. And then the slower songs like 2007 or Cartoon Clouds, I just found really, really dull. Especially for the slower songs, I felt like it's something I've heard before, but but done better. Um, but then it felt like she's got she gives off a vibe that this is unique and new, and and that made it even more annoying to me. Um, I just didn't think anything was attention grabbing really, apart from one thing, and I think this is why it's a shame that I didn't like the music and I didn't like the, the style and the presentation because actually on the lyrical side of things, I thought she was quite interesting. I think there's some really dark themes to some of her songs. I think she's yeah. really sort of open, really frank about her mental health and life as a young woman. You know, she's, she, she's got some really interesting things to say. Um, but if it wasn't, I would have never heard those lyrics. I'd actually put this album on my um, my own playlist of new releases before the podcast, before you picked it, because I knew you, you liked her. I wanted to check her out. And I gave it half a listen and turned it off. Um, so if it hadn't been on the podcast, I never would have heard that the lyrics were good because everything else about it was just not for me at all. So yeah, sadly another one on today's list that, um, I won't be going near again, but yeah, <laughs> that's kind of where I landed with that. You should, um, you should try out the previous album. I yeah. think you'd like it more. Okay. Is it less irritating? <laughs> I'm not going to make any guarantees. Okay. I think all so. Right. I mean, I might not try it, but I might. You never know. Um, you never know. Yeah. Okay. One left. One new release left. So I'll talk about Red Sun Titans by Gengar. Yeah. It was the one that took me longest to come to a conclusion on. So that would be my answer to that question. And I think that's because on, on the surface, it sounds very sort of pleasant and nice. I think they make a nice sound uh, and something that I feel like I should be to. It, it's kind of like some stuff that I do like. But just to continue my total negativity today over time it really started to bore me um i found it really quite unoriginal and generic um i think what i started to think about the more i listened to it was that it's um a bit like alt j for dummies i think like for people who feel like alt j were really creative and fresh i think they'll really like gengar and think they're great um but yeah, I think it's like music for sitting in a Starbucks with a frappe on a Sunday, <laughs> reading the Sunday Times. Um, yeah, I think other than about 30 seconds of guitar in a song called The Interview, I think there's no bite in this album at all. But yeah, it does sound pleasant. There's a nice lilting tone to it. Um, and you'd be quite happy if it came on in Starbucks. That, you know, it's, it's, it's nice background music. Like Matt always says, Somebody might play it at a dinner party. I wouldn't, but I can imagine that people will. Um, but yeah, it does manage to be the best new release on this list by quite a distance, um, <laughs> even though I, I didn't like it at all. So, yeah. Wow. Not my favourite four new releases that we've no. got. Um, who wants to go? <laughs> <laughs> Someone positive, maybe? I'll, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> Because yeah. I I would I was thinking of picking this as my most instant album on the playlist, okay. Um, because this record is totally my thing. Like th- this okay. is my kind of vibe, and I've literally written down Alt J as a positive, and yeah. I've written down 
it's got I feel like this album has like the right balance of like groups like that, like Alt J, like everything, everything. And then also a more like accessible indie bands like Foles and things like that. I, I feel like they brought together quite a um a unique take on that. I mean it's not completely original, but I think it works and they do it well. Um I think the opening song kind of sets the tone for what you're going to get. Um, Alkali. Um, I think the lead singer's voice could, could get a little bit annoying for people. I think Um, in the same way that I feel the same with everything, everything. And for me, I quite, I quite like it. And I think I could see that being a sticking point for some people, but I actually find him really engaging. Um, And I think like white lightning, uh, that's really infectious and kind of sounds like effortless, but other other parts of it kind of pull the album in a more like dancier synth driven um, kind of sound. Um, I, I think like the closer collapse is really weird and um, shows kind of how eclectic they can be. I, I enjoyed this a lot and I found okay. this quite instantly enjoyable um, whether it's going to like last through the rest of the year, I don't know. There's probably not enough there, but on the playlist, I enjoyed it while it was on. Um, yeah, so it's not a big compliment, is it? But no, but as in, I I, <laughs> I would say this was of this kind of thing one of yeah. the better ones we've had in a while. Um, of this kind of band. Okay, Matt. I was right. I, I think I somewhat agree with Sam. I like. Mm-hmm. I. I I feel like there's a few few albums I've talked about recently that own like the seasonality of them, and this this does feel like that summertime album that will be used by the BBC for like montages and stuff. Um, Starbucks and. Pardon. Starbucks. Star- yeah, 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 but like not necessarily. <laughs> Starbucks is a people pleaser. Like yeah. everyone, like people aren't disappointed with a Starbucks, and this, <laughs> like, they aren't necessarily distinct or special. But if you like that brand of good time festival ready indie music, like this, they do like I think a really good job. Um, if they'd like album, this album would come out ten years ago then you wouldn't have to ask at the beginning, how do you pronounce Gengar? Because you'd know, because that'd be massive. Hmm. Um, and so they just feel a little like out of step with the t- hmm. like, timing-wise. Um, and it, I, I think you compare it to something like uh, what it, the La Priest album we covered last week, which was hmm. also aiming for this kind of ethereal summertime vibe. And yeah, this one this one has so much more to say and it's much more interesting. Um yeah, and so I I, I generally really quite liked it, I think. Um there were a few songs which st- stood out a lot better, like um Alada. Alada was pretty much a Bombay Bicycles Club song, I think. <laughs> so I just really see all the bands it. they sound exactly like while you try and tell me I'm wrong about them not being really unoriginal and well, generic. Bombay Bicycle Club are great. So if they're going to rip a song yeah. and, and like, make it sound like them, yeah, that's I'm happy with that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it does it does stagnate a bit, the album. 
like, but it's it's fine. It's summer, and we're gonna put it on, and we're gonna have a good time. So I think it's good. I am never coming to one of your dinner parties, by the way. Just just the the albums that you've listed that you <laughs> you play in the summer at a barbecue. I'm, I'm glad you live in New York. <laughs> yeah, well. I can't imagine going to yours and you'll be playing some <laughs> depressive <laughs> bullshit. No, uh, you'll play Benefits. We established that last, last yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a playlist Staring called uh, Happy away. Songs, which is the Joy Division and The Cure. That's, that's <laughs> my sort of... <laughs> anyway. Anything else from Gengar before we move on? Nah. No? He wants to kick off with a classic. Um... Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll kick off. Oh, yeah. I'll kick off. Okay. Um, yeah, I, th- I think this this was another like immediately a, immediate album where you kind of get you get what you're gonna get for the rest of the album pretty quickly mm. on this. Um, it's the energy throughout is is electric. I think on this album, it's like very it's a thrill to hear, um, mm. and I think. It's it's interesting for us to cover an album where we've got someone who someone as like a front woman of a group who is who at the time was so unique in the kind of landscape of like rock bands, um, and it would be so weird for us to be covering an album like this now in the same way that I imagine it was covered a lot Mm. at the time. Um, And all of the kind of things that are talked about, about this record specifically of being kind of very, it's exciting to hear such a feminist viewpoint on a, on a rock album. It's exciting Mm. to, it would be crazy if we were sat here, three men talking on a podcast, like about Courtney Love, um, like, it would be a parody of like us being that those kind of podcast dudes like talking about that <laughs> thing. Like, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, f- I found it really funny to like think of us sat here listening to this at the time <laughs> and talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I enjoyed it. Um, it c- it can feel a little one note, but I find a lot of the nineties like rock music can. Yeah. Um, but. I, I didn't really have an issue because with that because I, I thought every single song was exciting and was really interesting. Um, I I feel like it did ha- it does hold up a lot. Um, it, it still sounds pretty fresh, um, considering the kind of era that it was and a lot of the albums of that of that time in the mid nineties. I don't think sound very fresh anymore. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I I enjoyed this. Um, and it's a kind of great album of that era, and I'm I'm glad I finally listened to it properly. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'll jump in because I similar sentiments to Sam. Really, um, I think it says a lot. That's so why I wanted to save this till last because I think it says a lot about this playlist that album on it that feels in any way fresh and invigorating is the classic. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying that Live Free This doesn't sound like it's from the 90s or that it, it would sound original release today, but like listening to it, you can really imagine how impactful and powerful and fresh it was when it came out. Um, and I was reading about it the other day. I hadn't, I hadn't, um, I wasn't aware that it came out four days after Kurt Cobain was found dead. Um, and I think just what an impact that must have had and and how crazy that must have been at the time. And I, like Sam, spent some time thinking about what it would have been like to review it at the time and, and, and to cover it at the time. 
Um, but yeah, I kind of chose it not expecting to get as much from it as I did because I, I, I've always been a Nirvana fan, um, you know, and, and as a young person into Nirvana, I listened to a lot of the, I read a lot of stuff. I heard a lot of the conspiracy theories and um, Courtney, Courtney Love kind of became a bit of a joke figure for people in a lot of ways. She was seen as like a celebrity for gossip columns, remembered for a, a drug addiction and, and all the silly conspiracy theories about her rather than actually for a talent. Uh, listen to this album, just what a fucking front woman, front woman she is. She's amazing. She sort of screams on house throughout the, the whole album, but there's so much control in it and, and really righteous anger. Um, and I think like this is, like Sam was saying, it's essentially a, a well-performed set of grunge songs. They're not, you know, they may have been fresh then, but they, it's, it's, a lot, it's a load of rock songs, but she adds so much to it. Um, her personality and context make it go from like a good record to a really great record, I think. Um, and I think it's fascinating that the perception of her has survived to this day that she's kind of a bit a bit of a joke and that she was riding on Kurt's coattails in a lot of ways. Um, she wasn't worth the attention for her music, really. But Because I think this is an album full of really good songs with, with more of a universal appeal, actually, than a lot of other bands in the grunge genre at the time. I think it is more accessible. It is a bit poppier. It does have slightly more traditional structures to some of the songs. And, and then at the same time, again, like Sam said, songs like Asking For It and Jennifer's Body have got real powerful subject matter. And that wasn't really the case in, in most of this genre. And they weren't singing about things that mattered. Um, so yeah, actually, I didn't expect to feel like I do about it, but I think um, I think it is a classic in the true sense of the word, which we, we say about a few of the classics we cover. And thank fuck it was on this playlist. Um, yeah. It got me through. Um, yeah, one of the most pleasant sort of surprises I've had from an album on the on the podcast in quite a long time. So, yeah, I liked it a lot. Good, nice, Matt. Yeah, I, I there's not too much to add. I think I I agree. It's it's the best thing on this list, um, and it is the kind of true classic. And it was it was it was nice to actually check in on this and realize that like these perceptions that i've had or had or been fed are just like this idea that she's just just the widow of kurt um mm. and and when her and the rest of whole made an album which is probably in that genre as good or if not better than any other grunge album including nirvana i think mm. So it's like better than some other albums, yeah, 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 and like you, I, I feel like you could make an argument pretty much against anything, really, mm. uh, within within that genre. So like, for her to have been trivialized in that way, really, obviously, really, really sucks. Um, mm. And so it was nice to get back to that. And I think the the major thing I you guys didn't touch on, which I really valued, was actually hearing her. Like her voice is crazy. Like the. Mm the way she was so quickly able to transition from like these very, very soft and gentle moments to this like yeah. growling <laughs> shout that had so much, uh, in both cases, so much emotion and so much energy, but like directed in completely different ways. And that it would, it can just be switched so quickly and so effectively to change the direction of a song. It was like, and yeah, something I was surprised about, but also really, like, really stood out to me, and I appreciated. Um, so yeah, this was re- it was really cool to to listen back to this um, and get a, a better sense of what Hole were about. Nice. I'm glad I picked it. I nearly didn't. Like, it was one where I was like, "Oh, do we really need to listen to Hole?" 
and it turns out, yeah, yes, compared to a lot of the classics I've chosen, it was definitely, definitely worth the while. Okay, that's us for the playlist. Um, I don't think you need to ask me too many questions about whether I like this playlist or not. I think it was a contender for the worst one we've ever had. Um, other than the classic, it was it was just shockingly bad. Thank, I, I loved Hole, but God, I hope I never hear any of the others again. So, either of you want to liked it more than me? I think you both did. Oh, yeah, well, definitely I, liked it yeah. more than you. Yeah, yeah. I, I I liked most most of like yeah, I liked most of the albums apart from the Foo Fighters, and even that one I liked. I just didn't think it added to the. Doesn't add to their their oeuvre in any way. <laughs> oeuvre, I don't know if Foo Fighters have an oeuvre, but um, sorry, carry on. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, I I I liked everything. I think except the JDG. I think that was just a big disappointment for me. Mm. Um, but I, I enjoyed this playlist. I, I don't think anything was like all time great for me. I, I I don't see any of this mm. kind of going on to like one of my like end of year lists or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not surprised you hated everything as much as you did. Fran. <laughs> but that's why you're here. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. been a while since I've hated everything. It has been a while. Like I've had a couple of yeah. really good uh, episodes recently. So it's been a while. Right, yeah. I was I expect hate, you to like a few more I don't... things. But... Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have been easy for me to like more things. I mean, hard no. for me to like more things than I did, but no, I didn't. Shall I talk about something I do like? Should we yeah, do that? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the why I love section. So to talk about why I love Eminem. Uh, yeah. To start with, I'm going to say, if I'm being honest, this was probably the hardest why I love for me to come up with the notes on uh, for for the whole time I've done the podcast so far. I think there's there's loads I could say about Eminem. Um, and it felt hard to know where to start. And I think the, there's three main reasons why it felt hard to know where to start. One is that compared to most of the Why I Loves that I do, I rarely stick on an Eminem album these days. It's not something I still listen to regularly. And um, it's not, it's quite removed from my, my current listening in general. You know, it's not mostly related to a lot of the music I listen to these days. Two is that, as you can probably guess from a playlist that's made up of songs from his first three albums and the Eight Mile soundtrack, I do think that the majority of his career has been a mixed bag at best and occasionally total dog shit. He's done a lot of bad music. Um, and finally, I, I'm aware and wanted to make sure that I said this out loud, that there's language and subject matter within some of his music and some of the songs I've included on this playlist that if it was a new artist we were listening to, I would be calling them out for the language and, and and it was unacceptable. Um, so yeah, all of these things do come my relationship with Eminem and his music, definitely. But the flip side of all of that is that it's probably the biggest musical obsession I've ever been through. I've never been so into an artist as I was into Eminem for five or six years of my life. He's probably the most important musician for me in terms of shaping my tastes and, and changing my perspective on music. And also, in my opinion, he is inarguably one of the most talented and skillful rappers to ever release a record. He's, he's up there with the best. Um, so, yeah, th all that stuff about it, I do love him. But I do also think he's a very complicated um, and controversial person at times. So, yeah. But, yeah, because I was finding it hard to know where to how to talk about him and where to start, I sort of gave myself a little bit of structure. Um, so I'm going to start by talking about why I ordered the playlist in the way I did. And what I think 
I was trying to think and show about Eminem while I was ordering the playlist. And then I'm going to talk a bit about the impact he's had on me and what, why I am such a fan. So, so obviously this playlist wasn't in chronological order, um, but by starting with Brain Damage, Rabbit Run, Cleaning Out My Closet, Eight Mile, Rock Bottom and Lose Yourself, I was trying to get a certain impression across. These aren't all his earliest songs, but they're all songs where he talks honestly about his early life and about difficulties with his family, his issues with drugs, his employment struggles, being a father who couldn't provide for his child, and of course, struggling to get signed as a white rapper um, in, a, in an area where he was one of the only people around. Um, I think some. Of, I think these songs are some of his most honest, vulnerable songs, um, and they are some of the ones that back up the argument that he is one of the greatest storytellers in rap. He tells some great stories within those songs, and and when he looks back on himself like that, I think he's really powerful. Um, but I think they're also an important base for understanding him and his career. So knowing that this is a man who came from poverty, who came from really serious family mental health issues, from abuse from his mom, you know, this this isn't the someone who was just the joke figure he was when he did songs like Real Slim Shady and My Name Is. You know, there's, there's a common comedic element to Eminem that doesn't always come off very well, to be honest. But he's also all of those things. And then he was suddenly this global megastar out of nowhere. He suddenly was just massive, the biggest artist in the world probably for quite a while. Um, so yeah, the next part of my playlist features songs like Who Knew, Role Model, White America, The Way I Am and Stan. So these were a set of songs where he really started to grapple with with fame and the expectations that were being placed on him. And, you know, there's the song Who Knew, which is one of the songs that features some of the language I, I would be having a go at. But it talks a lot about how he was suddenly been blamed for every bad thing that happened in America for a while. He was blamed for mass shootings. He was blamed for suicides. He was blamed for, I remember an interview where a parent was saying that their kid started telling them to fuck off at the dinner table every night. And apparently that was Eminem's fault rather than maybe you're just a shit parent um, and you can't control your kid. But it's kind of, he was just blamed for everything for a while. And then towards the end of the playlist, I included some songs like Till I Collapse and say what you say where he starts to do something that would become the main feature of his later music I think those two songs are great but they are the earliest examples of him writing purely about how great he is um he beca- he's become a rapper over the years where 90 percent of his songs are about why he's the best and and i think that's really born from an insecurity that is born out of all the things he speaks about in the early songs i included on this playlist so i think he is someone who has always really struggled and he's continuing to struggle, even as this huge artist. And I think those insecurities eventually went on to overtake his music, creating this kind of mixed bag of an artist we see today. He still releases the every now and then a really good song, but he hasn't done a good album since these ones that I'm, I'm putting out. I mean, people might disagree with me on that. I don't disagree with me, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem now is that he can't let go of the fame and acclaim that really fucked his head up. And I think that makes him a really interesting artist um and i think it's also one of the reasons why i can sometimes overlook the less accept the less acceptable side of him some of the things he says and some and some of the ways he acts because i think this is still a fucked up kid in a 50 year old's body really it's someone who's been through a lot of shit and then was just thrust into the into the limelight and i think it's a, i think it's really quite fascinating um but yeah i think also it was that fucked up kid element of him that really first appealed to me and that's the first reason why he's so important 
to me. If you can sort of picture a 16-year-old Fran in jeans that were far too baggy, uh, kept tripping over everywhere I went and smoking weed in the in the school toilets until I got kicked out, <laughs> you might be able to imagine how refreshing it was to hear an artist talking so openly about mental health, about being part of a dysfunctional family, about why they use drugs and alcohol to cope. All these things were like, okay, somebody's actually talking about this. Um, you know, I was at the time I was absolutely fascinated by an artist who used words and told stories in that way. My favorite artists up to that point had all been people singing about Wonderwalls, Champagne Supernovas, all that kind of music, you know. And so to hear someone suddenly doing what he was doing was was absolutely mind blowing. And I'm not here saying he was the first person to do it, but he was the first person I heard talking about those things. And it was also it was Eminem who entirely opened me up to hip hop. And you both know that hip hop is is probably I'd probably say the most important genre of music in, in my life over time. It's not the one I listen to most regularly now, but over the years it's been the most sort of eye-opening and, and exciting genre of music for me. But I also think Eminem, it's Eminem who made me so obsessed with lyrics and storytelling in songs. Um, so you have you have him to blame for how much I bang on about storytelling and lyrics when we do the podcast. So you can blame Eminem for that. But I, this is a weird claim, but I honestly don't think I would be into people like The National and Laura Marling if I hadn't got into Eminem because I, I love them because they're storytellers. And I think it was him who who got me to that. Yeah, the final thing I want to say about why I love Eminem is that his music's also really central to the friendships that I had between the ages of 16 and 20. And I mean, a lot of them are still my best friends now. You know, they're still people I I see on a regular basis and then still really close to. But when I think about those people, um, I, I tend to think about me and my friends sitting in my room for hours just listening to Eminem and rapping along to all of the songs. And I think about a night when I went to London with friends for the first time in my life and to see him at Wembley and it was one of the best nights of my life <clears throat> and still is and he, he was also the biggest shared love of mine with a friend of mine who who I lost when I was 18 a friend of mine who died um and some of my my best memories of him are built around Eminem so it'll always be important to me for that reason uh, and then before I move on to hear what you two think of him and of the playlist I don't want you to hold back because I'm not expecting you to like him <laughs> um I do want to say one more thing. I think people do argue about how skillful he is and where he sits in the ranking of MCs. And, you know, I'm not saying and do not think that he's the best ever, but I do think he's up there. And I, I do think if you just hear the way he performs a song like Lose Yourself, it, it's hard to deny that. I just think it's a shame that he hasn't maintained such an incredible incredible song throughout his career, even if he still has talent as a rapper. So, so yeah, anyway, after saying that I didn't know where to start, I've talked for a very long time. So <laughs> I'm going to move over to, to you two. Um, I'm going to go to Matt first because I feel like I have more of an idea of where Sam might sit. But, yeah, let's go to you, Matt. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I – well, I find Eminem really confusing. <laughs> okay, it was it was really interesting to like, and my my initial feelings when I thought this first came on, I was like instantly transported to being on like school trips with yeah. someone with a tinny speaker, and really yeah, that's the yeah. <laughs> only time I've actively or not not even actively really listened to much Eminem. Mm. Um, that said, like I I was surprised how much of this I knew. Like okay. I knew a lot of the songs. And I guess he was one of the few uh, people in hip hop who would also be played on MTV two, which would be mm -hmm. what I would often like when he was at his height. That's when, where I was getting a lot of my music <laughs> was putting the, doing my homework or doing whatever 
and have MTV2 on the background. And so um, it was like, yeah, very strange to listen to and then be, because there's not many artists I just haven't really listened to since that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was that strange feeling. And it was it was nice to check back in with it. Like there's a, um, a, lot, a lot of the songs I do quite like. And I do struggle with his the comedic side a, li- yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The uh, skits and the parody almost like they it veers into parody at points where I'm just I generally don't like parody that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when it starts to get close to that. And it's it's like a tough lesson, but like his his songs where he's like wearing his heart on his sleeve and he's so raw and emotional, it's really really like um, impressive to hear someone be so open open about that stuff in such a. It's again, it's that thing. It's like it's a very as a genre that's full of like machismo and stuff like that. And so to be coming out with like your first few albums and you're talking about these things um, and to st- for them to still hit 20, 20 however, however many years later, it, it's, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, for me, like the, the obvious songs are really the standouts for me, uh, stuff like Lose Yourself and Cleaning Out My Closet. And I have a soft, I, so I know some people have a problem with Stan because of Dido. <laughs> oh, Stan's, <laughs> know, great. Stan's great. I know some people don't like Dido. I think Stan's awesome. And like, obviously, mm. that's another example of his like cultural influence as well, yeah. because obviously that's a, now it is a term to itself. Um, I would say I think Stan's the one song that I don't think anyone can argue with the class of. I can understand people not liking most of his stuff, but I think people have got to, uh, they've got to see Stan as, a classic but maybe that's just a fan talking i don't know but yeah yeah um, yeah um yeah i don't i don't know if i have too much to add there's, there's a lot there were a bunch of songs on here that i hadn't heard before and, mm-hmm. and they were kind of interesting i generally i don't like it too much when he sings <laughs> or it <Yeah>. tends to <laughs> and his, his, his voice in general is something i struggle with because it's okay. so nasally that would be a problem yeah but the fact he he still keeps me engaged, even though I don't like his voice. Is mm. also another testament to his uh, skills or whatever. So yeah, it was yeah, it was definitely an interesting playlist, and uh, cool, cool. I'd love to see sixteen-year-old Fran and his yeah, yeah. Teams. There's plenty of photos out there. Yeah. I'm sure if you dig fa- far enough back on my Facebook, you'll find some. But I don't expect you to yeah. actually do that. Please don't. Maybe um. <laughs> maybe we we'll have to get that for the the Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> where um, you Sam did you get anywhere I feel like you're not a fan so what, what, what makes you say I'm not a fan I just assume you're not a fan and I think I've, I think you definitely made at least a couple of comments in our time as editors of sort of not finding finding the violence in his music quite hard I think you said at one point which is totally understandable but I just I've always felt that you hate him yeah maybe I'm wrong I don't know. I, I I feel like I have like a love hate relationship with Eminem okay. and his music. Um, it sounds like yeah. I've listened to a lot more Eminem than Matt has. 
which yeah. is okay. saying like a, a lot more. Um, there's so much that he does that I do appreciate and that I'm genuinely not sure that any rapper has ever been able to be as all-encompassing as he is. Mm-hmm. And he has been in his career across genres and kind of styles of rapping mm-hmm. and styles of flow. And it, his his technical ability is is second to none. I think he is, he is definitely one of the best that's ever done it. Okay. Um, but then again, there's so much that I, I can't deal with and that I yeah, don't yeah. want to listen to. Um, it's weird because like as a kid, because I'm i thinking back, the first album came in out in like 98, 99? Was it 98? Mm-hmm. Um, so like that, I yeah. was like, I was very, I was like seven. Um, so <laughs> no, I was definitely was not, I, I by the time I was <laughs> old enough to be like asking for albums, I was aware that if I if I asked for an Eminem album, I would not be allowed it um, <laughs> because it was like not okay to listen to Eminem in our house. So, yeah, yeah. so it it kind of just put me off the whole genre for quite a few years. It wasn't until I was about 15, 16 that I was like, mm-hmm. okay, now I'm starting to get into this music. So all of my memory of all of these songs is from music channels and tv and like the music videos so the big i only knew the big hits at that time so that was what i saw as eminem so Mm -hmm. it was only going back like within the last 10 years of the early albums listening to them and kind of for me those albums don't hold up I I, th- I think feel like because of the context of what he's saying, I, mm. I can't deal with a lot of the stuff around the domestic violence stuff yeah, specifically. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you didn't pick some of the songs. No, no, no. Like so I have to skip them when I listen to the album. Songs <laughs> from those albums where yeah. it's like, it, it's just not, it was never okay at the time. It's definitely mm. not okay now. Um, but then at the same time on those albums, there's all time, incredible hip hop records on there as well. Mm. And it makes it really difficult. I'm really conflicted. Um, But I found with this playlist, I'm not surprised by the songs you've chosen, but I do feel like you've kind of got given us a very narrow view of Eminem Mm. because I do, I did miss the fun side of him. Yeah. Yeah. Like where's without me? Where's kind of, where is, uh the real slim shady like those songs to me sort of have i i feel like are sometimes more lyrically interesting and exciting and like fun and kind of show off his his way of like delivering a flow even better than the more introspective stuff i I understand that's what you've gravitated towards but I, i think when he's on it and he's being fun in these comedic songs mm. he he is the best at doing that um and i feel like some of those moments are kind of the highlights of his career for me yeah no i can get that and i think for me i suppose part of what um i struggled with with this playlist and with talking about eminem in general is that i do find that the comedic songs often are the ones that he says some of the most outrageous things that um I sometimes struggle with now um, accepting how much I loved them and enjoyed them and how much <laughs> yeah. I got out of them in the day. And I'm kind of like, 
oh God, unless you listen to this and he says all this and he says these words that I would never want someone to say. But I mean, I want to say about that and the domestic violence side of thing that I do also think there's something in the argument that um, where he came from and where he was and what the, the amount of limelight he was suddenly pushed into, I don't think he ever really expected that some of that would be as widely heard. And I also yeah, think yeah, that absolutely. his personality and where he came from means that it, it maybe took him a while to realise how... Because, I mean, he was very young when... It was, was it, it felt almost overnight as well. Like it yeah, was, it was yeah. ridiculous. Like you think yeah. back and the, and the, the change from like the first album to the second album, I think he went from having a hit single and then the next album saw like a million copies. We won. Yeah. Like you're yeah, talking yeah. like kind of end sync level numbers that, that yeah. for someone who was not selling to the same people. No. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't have had the same people looking after him in that. In that no, no, no. Way no. as well. <laughs> I think you, you, so. Like... You can't. You can imagine. You can't imagine that whole his whole rise. I just mm. can't ever see that happening ever again with any no. new artists. Even the the new people in in like hip hop and rap, when they the, the sort of artists that they kind of become very quickly, um, I, I you you could not get away with releasing an album as stark as like Marshall Mathers LP. Like you just couldn't do that as, as a second album and be so commercially successful. It's why he's quite, he's he's fascinating. Um, Yeah. I I, only played on that at the time as well. The skits on the album that were around is, you know, they were obviously skits, but it was management saying, what is this shit? You can't release this (laughs) shit. And there was a truth to that. And there are, there are songs on it. Even then, like Kim, the song that's like him screaming about, that's the worst offender. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Um, it's a horrible song, and that's why it's so complicated to talk about him as someone that means so. Because a song like that, like, goes against everything that I stand for. But at the same time, I kind of get what it's like for somebody in a different situation. So it is. It's so complicated. Um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't want to include Kim, so I'm glad <laughs> that's you not did. a song to to add to a playlist, but. I- um, yeah. I would have included a few later songs as well. If if mm. I was picking out ones that I like, but I'm yeah. sure you hate those songs, like Love the Way You Lie and No, no I don't. I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I think um I I like Love You Love the Way You Lie actually, but um I just don't think it I think cuz I wanted to get a certain thing across about him that song is so far mm. removed and I don't think it sounds like it, putting that in the middle of this playlist, it would sound like a fucking totally different artist, wouldn't it? In a lot mm. of ways. But like I say, there has been good songs throughout the career. It's just that there hasn't been consistently. Oh, the stuff, albums have been consistently shit. Like his, yeah, yeah, yeah. his. I've listened to most of. <laughs> I, I listened to most of his albums around that period, kind of on from like yeah. encore onwards, and it they are rough. Like that, some of the ones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In recent time, and the recent ones, I just have managed to avoid entirely because they are. You know, there was. I think there was bad. one that was coming back towards. I think it was Marshall Mavers too that he released. It was like it had some really good songs on it. Yeah, yeah. There um, was some. There's always been a handful of good songs that I think Rap God yeah. is. I would yeah. say that's one of my favorites. Rap God is songs. great. That was the um, one I nearly included. I nearly. I nearly <laughs> put it on the end because I'm talking about how he went on to just talk about how he's the best person in the world. Yeah. 
that's the best example of that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Lose Yourself is his best song, though. We can all agree on that. Oh, yeah, Lose Yourself is ridiculous. It's so good. Yes, it's a theme. I wouldn't say it's necessarily my favorite, but it is his best song. Yeah, definitely. Inarguable, I would say. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, it was less of a savaging than I expected, so. I'll take it. Well, you you yeah. created a, a very nice playlist for us, I think, by the, especially yeah. by the sounds of it from uh, what Sam was saying. <laughs> yeah, well, I ripped some it's stuff curated. out that I could have. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I do think you got a point, Sam. That I maybe should have included one of one of like the real Slim Shady or something like that. That maybe would have added that nuance. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. Well, that's Eminem. Um, and I still say it was by far the best thing on this on this playlist, but um, that's not saying a lot. Um, so we move on to talk about what's hopefully going to be a better. Play- oh, no, actually, first of all, please go and uh, check us out on pickybees.com. We don't only do <laughs> podcasts; we also write reviews, um, articles, best of the month summaries, all sorts of stuff. So go and find us on pickybees.com, um, and and also find us on Twitter at pickybastards. And yeah, we'll be back with another podcast in about a month. Things are getting busy because we've got the Mercury Prize one coming up after that. So you might hear a lot of us and get fed up with us. But um, yeah, what are we picking for the next one? Who's hosted next time? It is you, isn't it, Matt? So It is me. the classic in the while of? The classic is going to be um, Mother of Invention, which is a Frank Zappa band um, with the album One Size Fits All. And then I'm going to tell you all about the, the amazing band Block Party. Ah, exciting. Um, Sam? I, I have picked uh, Anoni with My Back Was a Bridge for You to Cross and Paris with Evergreen or Perverse, if you want to <laughs> say it. What did you say? Yeah. Per- perverse? Perverse. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. You've got to, Matt's got to introduce it next time so you can decide. Yeah. Um, and I have just realized that um, I've picked the solo album by the lead singer of Fontaine's DC, and I'm a big fan of them. And um, his name is spelled G-R-I-A-N. And I've just realized I don't really know how to pronounce it, but I'm going with Brian. Brian? Yeah, it's like Brian. Brian yeah, with a G. <laughs> it's, but remember, Irish names don't always Brian. sound like how they're spelled, do they? So it could yeah. be Gary or George or... But let's go I'll, with Brian for now. I'll figure it out. Corrects me. I'll um, figure it out for when I host. Anyway, his album's called Chaos for the Fly. I can pronounce that. And I've also Messy by Olivia Dean. So that'll be us in, in a few weeks' time. So thank you for listening. And we'll speak to you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.